Father, we have a great story to tell in the person of Jesus Christ. We know that in our world today, there are many religions that offer something, but we know it's another empty well. We know that many down through the pages of time, particularly in the last several hundred years, have emphasized evolution that our world just evolved and that also is an empty well. And we see the consequences of emptiness in our world around us. And as we reflect on Christ this morning, may we grasp in a growing manner when Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, that that is very accurate. And let that influence the way we live, the way we respond in the world in which we live. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Some thought questions as we begin. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not looking for a response. Is Jesus the only way to a relationship with God? Is Jesus the only way to a relationship with God? Now, if you answer that, yes, please understand that that comes with very, very strong consequences. Because you're saying every religion of the world does not lead to God. Just think about the consequences of saying Christ is the only way or Jesus is the only way. Are the claims of religion, religions incorrect? And please notice I did not say other religions because I'm not calling Christianity a religion. It is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's Christ. There's a difference between Christ and religions. So my question, are the claims of religions incorrect? And we'll discuss some of them a little later. Is Christianity proud in saying only Jesus? Are we being proud and haughty in saying only Jesus? Is evolution a religion? Is evolution a religion? We've been discussing the Gospel of Mark. And we have found that the Gospel of Mark presents Christ as being the good news in chapter 1 and verse 15. You know, Jesus came to bring the good news. He is the good news. We found in the Gospel of Mark that he is new wine and new wineskins in Mark 2, 18 through 22. He's Lord of the Sabbath in Mark 2 and verse 30. He is the secret of the kingdom of God in Mark 4 and verse 11. He is the seed in Mark 4, 13 through 20. He's the one who is able to raise the dead. He's a prophet, one of a kind prophet. He's the one that Moses spoken of that was to come. He's the Christ, the anointed one, the long-awaited Messiah. So my question, and again a thought question, what religion can make the above claims with evidence? 
What religions can say, we have a prophet. We have a Christ who is the Messiah. We have one who can raise the dead. They can't with evidence. What is unique about Christ? His character, his being, his identity as revealed in the Gospels. He is unique because he is creator. John 1, Colossians 1, Hebrews 1, Christ is creator. He also is unique in the sense that In his work on the cross, he provided for the inability of humans who are sinful. What other religion can say, we have a Savior who will deliver from sin, who will deliver from the eternal consequences of sin through faith and repentance. He offers eternal life by faith. Eternal life, redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness, glorification, and so on. And he answers the worldview questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is there suffering? How did the world get here? Is the Bible trustworthy? So as you read through the Gospels and you read about Mark and Christ is presented, he's very, very unique. And to go along with the Gospels, let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> when you read the books of the Bible, it's always important to seek to understand that there's a historical setting, there's a background in which the books were presented. And when you get to Colossians, we find that Paul is writing to believers in Colossae, a city that apparently was facing some teaching that said, you go through a series of beings and you'll eventually get to God. And they would say, well, let's just plug Christ in. He becomes one in a series of beings that you use to get to God. Kind of like today, we have all kinds of religions. We'll just plug God or Christ into it also. And Paul is saying in Colossians, no, 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 no. Christ is not one of many. He is the one. And look in Colossians 1 and verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. When you see Christ, you have God. What is true of God is true of Christ. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, for by Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He, Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. He came from the dead with others to follow. He came from the dead to die no more. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have always fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile the world to him, or to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 3, chapter 2, well, we'll begin with verse 2. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may have or know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ is unique. And when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no, one, no man cometh unto the Father except through me, he's making a very profound statement. He is saying, what everyone else may say, whatever else may be taught, is not accurate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That means all the religions of the world, whether in Jesus' day or in our day, all the isms of the world in our day or in Jesus' day, miss. They're not correct. The uniqueness of Christ, his character, his being, his identity. No one before Christ and no one after Christ is ever like Christ. His creation, his work, the cross, the resurrection, the glorification is unique. We were in Colossians. Turn in your Bible just to the book before Colossians to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, in verse 5, encouraging believers in Philippi and how they relate to one another. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice, who being in very nature God... He was willing to take on the form of a servant, willing to be obedient to death on the cross. He came from the dead and God exalted him. He's unique. As creator, on the cross, his resurrection and glorification, no one else has ever done that. 
also, he's unique in the sense that he says humans are unable. They're sinful. They're spiritually dead. You will find all the religions and all the isms of the world refuse to say that humans are sinful. They always say humans are able. Christ says they're dead. Ephesians 2 and verse 1, we won't turn there, but he says there, Paul says, and being dead in transgressions and sins, separated from God, separated from a relationship with God. Christianity, Christ says you're bankrupt. You have nothing to bring. You can go to your bank account. What do you find? Nothing. Every other ism in religion says, you have some good in you. You can do something. Christ is unique in that he offers eternal life by faith in a substitute. 1 John chapter 4. Just listen as I read. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, we find that John is speaking. And he says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation for our sins. Christ became the substitute for spiritually bankrupt people because he was not spiritually bankrupt. He was very God in human form. John 5 and verse 24 talks about the fact that those who believe in the one who sent Christ and believe in Christ, what does he do? He gives them eternal life where they cross from death to life. No other religion or ism of the world can offer eternal life. Christ also answers some worldview questions. Who am I? We'll touch more on these in the future. Why am I here? Why is there suffering? How did the world get here? Is the Bible trustworthy? What we want to do now is to take the uniqueness of Christ, and contrast it with some of the religions of the world. We have Christ in his identity, character, and being. And the first religion we'll consider is evolution. You say, Pastor, evolution is not a religion. Evolution is a faith system. There is no scientific evidence for evolution. If you're going to buy into evolution, you have to have faith. Buying into Christ involves faith. Hebrews 11 says, you know, he who believes that he is, you know, and come, goes on to say that there's faith. Evolution is a religion. It's a faith system. It is not based upon science. If you don't believe me, check out the evidence. Christ as creator in his work on the cross, resurrection and glorification. What do we have? 
in relation to evolution. Whoever has been involved in evolution, Charles Darwin being involved in promoting evolution, and evolution has been around long, long before Charles Darwin. But what is true of all of them who are involved in that? They're dead. Christ is living in glory. We have the inability of humans. And you will find that in evolution, evolution says humans are able. You know, they just are able. Christ says, no, they're unable. Eternal life is offered by faith in a substitute. Evolution would say there is no such a thing as eternal life. Death is the end. The worldview questions that come into play, the worldview questions, evolution has no answer. Talk to someone who follows evolution, who believes in evolution, who is bought into that religion and say, who am I? Well, let's see, you know, you evolved. Well, why am I here? Well, I guess you're here to eat, drink, and be merry and have a good time. Why do we have suffering? I really don't know. See, Christ is unique. Let's look at another religion in our world today, and that being the uniqueness of Christ in contrast to Islam. Muhammad was involved in founding Islam. And you will find that if you read the account of a Muhammad, he was human, he had many wives, and he was very sinful. That's just historical fact. That stands in the con contrast to Christ and his identity, his character, and his being. We think about Christ and his creation, the work, the cross, the re resurrection, what is true of the founder of Islam. He's dead. He's decayed. Christ says humans are unable. They're sinful. There needs to be repentance. Islam says humans are able. Pray in a certain direction. Make your trip to Mecca along with a host of other things. Humans are able. Christ says eternal life is by faith in a substitute, namely me. Islam says it's self-effort. Do, do, do. Worldview questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Why is there suffering? How in the world did I, or how did the world get here? Is the Bible trustworthy? Islam don't have answers. Let's think about another religion of the world, and that is Buddhism. Buddhism. We think about Christ and his identity and his character and his being, and if you read anything about Buddhism, 
you will find that all those involved in Buddhism are sinful. In any way involved in founding that, they were sinful. Stand in clear contrast to Christ. Think about Christ and his work in creation, on the cross, his resurrection, his glorification. What's true of those involved in Buddhism? Dead. Think about the inability of humans, which Christ says, humans are unable, that's why I became the substitute. Buddhism says humans are able. Christ offers eternal life by faith in a substitute, that substitute being Jesus Christ. Buddhism says self-effort. In relation to world, worldview questions, who am I? Why am I here? Why is there suffering? How did the world get here? And is the Bible trustworthy? They don't have answers with integrity. They just don't have them. We can do the same thing with Hinduism. You will find that Hinduism, if you do a study of the history of Hinduism, that those involved in founding Hinduism are sinful. In relation to the work of Christ, he's living, he's in glory. The founders in Hinduism are dead. We could go on with the other areas and find the same is true in relation to the inability of humans. They say humans are evil, eternal life. They say it's by self-effort. They can't answer worldview questions with integrity. How about the uniqueness of Christ in relation to whatever other ism there may be? Those involved in founding, those isms are dead. In relation to the work of Christ, in relation to his resurrection and glorification, those involved are dead. And you'll find that also in relation to inability of humans, they would say humans are evil. In relation to eternal life, they say it's by self-effort. And in relation to basic worldview questions, they only have partial answers or no answers at all. Who is Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. And as you think about the religions of the world and the isms of the world, please understand that in light of Christ's claims, in light of what history would present concerning Christ, that Christ can say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. That sounds proud and arrogant. No, it's the truth. Will you say, Pastor, you're saying all other isms and religions, or all religions and isms are wrong? I'm merely saying what Christ said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him. 
Yes, they are wrong. Christ is exclusive. He's one of a kind. There are no others like him. That is a very bold claim. But Jesus made it. I'm not. I'm merely saying what he said. Now, please stop and ponder the implications of that. That when people follow religions and isms, that would mean they're dead in sin, dead in their trespasses, trusting in their own human effort rather than Christ. And it's not our purpose to try to prove that they're wrong or try to win an argument, but to love them and to present Christ <coughs> and maybe pose questions about their worldview, which will lead us to talk to Christ, to them about Christ. So you're talking to someone that believes in a religion or some ism, and the issue of what happened in Connecticut comes up. Why in the world do those things happen? Well, why do you think they happen? Oh, some people just lose it for whatever reason. Well, may I give you a different point of view? Have you ever stopped to consider that? We have a creator God who created the universe in perfection. All that God made was good. It was very good. And he put Adam in the garden, even the garden to care for the garden. And he also told them, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat of it, you will die. And Adam and Eve chose to eat, and they died, and the curse came. And that's why we have suffering. That's why we have evil in the world today. That's involved in what happened in Connecticut. It involves the fall. But you know what God did? God didn't leave Adam and Eve alone. He pursued Adam and Eve, and he made clothed the skin for them. And he continued to pursue man, and ultimately, he pursued him in the person of Jesus Christ. And what did Christ do? Christ is very God himself. He came, he lived, he died, he arose from the dead to die no more, so that you can have a relationship with God, so that you can have your sins forgiven. So why are you here? You're here for a relationship with God through Christ. How did the world get here? God spoke and it came into being. Why do we have sin and suffering and pain? And why do we have murders taking place? Because Adam and Eve chose to sin and that's part of the curse. Well, where's God when all this happens? The same place he was when his son died and when Cain killed Abel. Allowing humans to exercise their free will. See, Christianity offers answers that no religion and no ism of the world can offer. And I'm encouraging you that as you watch TV, as you observe the news, as you see what's happening in our world and you hear about isms and religions, <clears throat> whatever they may be, that it's not that we're better than them. It's that 
we're merely proclaiming what Christ says. It's by grace we have eternal life. It's not by our own good effort. It's by faith in Christ. And I think you will find that if you will ask some penetrating questions and then offer just a brief overview, which I did a few moments ago about God creating, it was a good creation about sin entering the world, about Christ coming, that that may open some doors to talk about Christ in a greater way. See, our world at this point in time, our nation at this point in time is reeling because what in the world is going on in Connecticut? Why do people do that? We have the answer. Goes back to Genesis 3. Wide open door to talk about Christ. No other ism or religion can do that. Christ is unique. My question is very simple. Are you a child of his? Are you a child of God? Through faith in what Christ has done. If not, why not come to him today? If you're a child of God, then you can offer to the world to your severe of influence, to other students, to co-workers, to neighbors, and to friends to make some sense of the world in which we live. Connecticut isn't a big mystery. God spoke of that years ago. Oh, why'd someone kill 28 people for the same reason Cain killed Abel? It's sinful. And he wanted to worship his way, just as all the religions and isms of the world want to worship their way apart from Christ.